you know, you got you can't take for granted the high level problems you have. It's stressful, but you gotta embrace it. Yeah, you know? you've earned them. You've earned them. Yeah, you've 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 earned these people's trust where you have to deal at problems at a high level. You're not doing grunt work anymore. You're not doing take picture, go home. You know, you're you're conceptualizing the whole thing. But so for four months, busting my ass, twenty five plus showings, no bites. I finally got my first deal after four and a half months. We will discuss real estate investing in this episode, and investing in real estate involves special risk, including possible decline in real estate values, adverse economic conditions, and changes in interest rates, and may not be suitable for all investors. Welcome to the Millennials and Money Podcast, a podcast dedicated to help millennials to make wise decisions with their money. We find some of the best ways to learn is through stories. So each week, your host and investment advisor representative Payne Boyer invites millennial guests on the show to share their money story. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey, what's going on, y'all? Welcome to another exciting episode of the Millennials and Money Podcast. I'm your host, as always, investment advisor representative with Homes Financial, Peyton Boyer. And this week, I got another exciting guest. This week, I got my guest, a real estate agent with Compass out of Manhattan, James Maba. Say hello, James. What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me, Peyton. It's a pleasure to have you. You know, I always start these shows by sharing how I met my guests or how I know my guests. <laughs> you know, occasionally I'll have a guest come out and reach out to me. They might find me on LinkedIn or they might have heard the podcast and say, hey, you know, I've got a great story I'd like to share. And that's the case with you, James. You hit me up on LinkedIn, I believe it was. Yeah, it was LinkedIn. Yeah, <laughs> man, listen, I listen to your show. I love the show. I've got a money story I think can inspire others. You told me about you you just killing in real estate and you get to share more can they real estate you're only 22 years old i don't even think you're you're not even technically a millennial but you're still no 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 no. i'm right at the threshold i'm like i think millennials end at 2000 i'm 1999 so i made it i made it okay okay so (laughs) and i didn't didn't want to end in no gen z podcast i'll tell you that much (laughs) okay we'll we'll let you in man we'll let you in <laughs> yeah, you um, you came on here. You told me about what you do. Um, we've talked a few minutes before, so audience, as I get to know James, you will get to know him at the same time. So this is gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, James. Before I talk anymore, let's talk about who you are, what you do, and also what made you reach out to the podcast. Sounds good. Well, uh, once again, Peyton, thanks for having me. So who I am? Uh, my name is James Maba. I'm a partner on the Freed team. Uh, we work. We were based out of Manhattan. Uh, we work at a company called Compass. So right now we're a top five rental team in New York City, which means we do over 360 plus lease transactions every single year. To break it down, that's almost like a deal a day. Um, Obviously, we didn't start that way. Uh, COVID injected so much like busyness to our business. We have so much product now. So I just wanted to hop on the podcast and just share a little bit about what I do, who I am. And, you know, obviously I want my main goal is to inspire others. I'm only 22 years old. I'm incredibly blessed to be in the position I am. And I feel like it's a story worth telling to others because I know when I know there's other 22 year olds out there, especially my friends who are just like, they're just looking up and they don't know how to do it. And I just want to give people the start to finish rundown of like how I got here and how everyone else can too. And to answer your second question, Peyton, the reason I reached out to your podcast is because I'll be very honest. I, I, I listen to podcasts all the time. I, you know that Bigger Pockets, Real Estate Rockstars, all these other podcasts. And then I was looking online. I wanted to find a podcast that's more in tune for me. 
millennials. A lot of those podcasts focus on like 40 plus year olds making millions of dollars every single year. I was like, where the hell is the 20 year olds? <laughs> so I typed in millennial money uh, podcast on Google. I, I scrolled through a lot of them. I saw yours. I listened to the, the most recent podcast with your guest that was on. Um, I don't know. Can you refresh me on her name, Peyton? Uh, so at this point, she won't be the latest one on yours. Oh, yeah, yeah. The one you listened to was uh, Keisha yeah. E. Matthews. Crazy. Yeah, I was just listening to that podcast and I was like, wow, OK, well, I uh, I'm surrounded by big people here, too. And I just wanted to share my story. And I reached out to Peyton and Peyton, they, uh, like, I'm very grateful Peyton let me on. So here I am. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get to know you, man. I'm sure we're going to stay connected even after this podcast. Oh, 100 percent. It's awesome that you you want to inspire others. Cause that's what the purpose of this podcast is, is to inspire others like. It's 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 hard to see someone who's already made it, who's forty years old, or fifty years old, who's successful because you can't tell where they started from. Yeah, so I feel. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Now you go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I feel like especially when they're at that age, they forgot the journey. You know, yeah. it's been like maybe ten plus years of them being a high producer. They can't really remember the little the, the nuances of how it got from like to the point they are. Uh, I was listening to, uh, I might get some flack on this, but there on TikTok right now, this dude named Andrew Tate is huge. I don't know if you've, you've seen it, Peyton. Um, so this guy on TikTok, he said, success isn't about being at a hundred miles, like being a hundred miles per hour. That's fast, right? They consider that you're driving fast, but when you're in a car going hundred miles per hour, it doesn't feel fast. It feels like, okay, it's, it feels fast in the zero to 60, you know, that, that yeah. jump. So I feel like the people that are high producers at 40 years old, they're moving at 100 miles per hour, 150, 200 miles per hour. To them, it doesn't feel fast anymore. And they forgot the feeling of zero to 60, 60 to 100, 100 to 150, you know? Yes. So that's why I love this podcast because it's giving people stories on how they started and the growth that they had. So I, yeah, super cool. Yeah. And it's also the battlefield is different. They, they, they were not the same. Bat the, the plan might be the same, but the layout's different. You know, we yeah. have social media. We have all these other things that it's we we're just we're just in an interesting time. Millennials specifically, we're in, in an interesting time. We've seen like I you were young at the time. I was eighteen during the I, I was twenty. I turned twenty one during the recession, and like that was my formative years of investing and learning and my opportunity to buy real estate. I was like, man, this sucks. <laughs> like, and to go through that and to see these uh this COVID and live through all these kinds of things as an adult as as uh from the time I became adult to where I am now it's just been a huge uh, it's been an interesting battlefield I should say but yeah. this show is all about the, everyone's journey and what your journey looks like in that and then people's mindset around money and I think those battlefields that we're on those journeys that we go on they kind of help mold that mind the mindset around money that we have. Of course, it can always be changed, but I think the foundation of that mindset gets sent, uh, put in place in childhood. So 100%. Let's go back there, uh, James. What was money like for you in your household growing up? Did you grow so, up in Manhattan or were you somewhere? No, no, no. I, I actually don't live in Manhattan still. I'm in Queens. I live in okay. Queens. Uh, I'm not sure if, how familiar you are with the city. There's like five boroughs in the city. It's Queens, uh, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Staten Island, and Bronx. So I live in Queens. It's like a 30-minute drive Queens from Manhattan. Bridge. Queens, Queens Bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, yeah, so I live in Queens. Uh, did I grow up with money was the question, right? Or like, what was my perception? You know, not say did you grow up with it, but what was, your, what, was your, what was money like for you and your household as you grew up? 
Money was a weird thing. Uh, nobody ever talked about it, really, obviously. I feel like that's a reoccurring theme with people in our industries. But, like, growing up as a kid, money wasn't a thing. It wasn't... It wasn't... I'm Asian, so I'm just going to throw that out there. So it was like, be a doctor. Be a, yeah. You know, be a lawyer. The same old stereotype, but money wasn't the end goal. It was almost the status of it, the, like the, the, pre, the pedigree of being a doctor, being a lawyer, like your parents want you to be something. And I feel like that was instilled in me in such a young age. I feel like a lot of parents don't do that anymore because, for example, Asian parents, they, 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 they kill you in school. Like they're like, if you get an 85, that's not good enough. If you get 95, not good enough. Yeah. You get 100, it's expected, you know? <laughs> so to tie that back to what you're asking about the money thing, uh, money wasn't ever talked about. I feel like it wasn't important. It was more like who you become as a person and what impact you make on the world. I think my parents f- tried to force me to become a better person than what I am. You know, I think that's I think that's good. I haven't heard the the result of it, but yeah. I think I, I'm big on money not being the motivator. So it's important to talk to your kids about money, and that's one thing that I think our generation. You're young, but I know I have kids, and that's something that I'm changing, but talking to my kids about money. But not having money being the main driving factor, but the impact you leave on the world. And it kind of sounds like that's what your parents wanted you to do, be as a doctor. The status might have been tied to it. Like, it does feel good to say, my son's a doctor. Yeah, oh, he's a PhD. Uh, <laughs> like, stuff like that. Really good, but the impact you leave on the world is what should really be, the, in my eyes, should be the motivating factor to become whatever it is you become. 100%, yeah. Um, and where I was going with that is that w- when it comes to my upbringing is if we bring it back to the grades thing, my parents weren't mad that I got an 85. You know, my parents always told me, James, if you were an 85 student and you got an 85, we know you did your best, you know? Like that's what they always instilled in me, but we know you're not a quote unquote 85 student. So they always, ever since a young age, they told me that they kind of like instilled this belief in me that I'm not average, that I'm extraordinary. Yeah. And it kind of gave me that push every single time. Granted, I got a lot of 85 still. <laughs> like, like I was like, I was like, mom, I don't know. Maybe I have an 85 kid. <laughs> but granted, like it was just that, that, that talk, like every single time I come home, it wasn't disappointment in the fact that I got a bad grade. It was a disappointment in the fact that they know I was destined for more. And I feel like it was that constant push every single day I got home from my mom, my dad, my family, that kind of like, I feel like, like you said, it gets ingratiated in you. It becomes a part of you. It's, it's feeling like you're not average anymore when technically I feel like everybody kind of, everybody's kind of like, you know, this, but I got to give a shout out to your parents on that because you, you're not average. Like statistically being 22 and where you are in life, you and I have talked a little briefly before this. That's not average. And, <laughs> and it's, it comes down to, yeah, it could be tied to what your parents said. Like, well, I know what, what I do with my daughter. She's way further than I was at her age. Her grade <laughs> short is because I said, like, the same thing I tell her, like, if you were a B average student and you tried and you got a B, I'd be super proud of you. Yeah, yeah. And I know you didn't try. Man. <laughs> I saw you do this last minute. And, like, the, by me telling her that, like, when she applies herself, it's like she goes to college prep school. She's in, oh, she's starting high school now, but she, from K through eight, she's been in college prep. She's always been summa cum laude, magna cum laude. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and it's just because, like, we, we, we let her know what we expect from her because of what's inside of her. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. I think, and that's similar to what my parents did. 
Man, I don't know. Did you and my mom go to high school together or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, no. It's well, that... I, I don't think I'm that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's like, it's one of those things where you grow up with this belief that you're destined to be something good. You know, it doesn't have to be about money. It doesn't have to be about anything. But like, you know that you were put, and my family's very religious. We're Filipino. That's the kind of Asians we are. So we're Roman Catholic. So it's, we have a belief that God gives everybody a gift. And it's up to us. It's selfish if we retain that gift to ourselves. Like we have to do it. We have to use it. We have to like be the biggest and best version we could be. You know, and that's something mom instilled in me ever since I was a kid, man. I'm glad to have you on the show, Jan, because my listeners know I'm I'm very spiritual person. Oh, dude. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian too. And, yeah. <laughs> and it comes down to stewardship. Stewardship mm-hmm. is the being responsible of the things that you're holding for others. So if you believe everything you have inside you is a gift from God, it's not yours. It's things that God's let try and trusting you to be a good steward of while the time you're here. So if he if he put all this stuff into you and your parents are seeing you not 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 utilize it and not use it to help others and to help further yourself, then you're not being a good steward and they're not being good stewards of you because you're not theirs, you're God's also. Hundred percent. So it's all 100%. down to stewardship when it comes down to it. Hundred percent. So let's talk about you as you got a little older. You're, you're kind of just at these exciting stages of life. Like you're 22 years old. Let's talk about your first experience as an adult with money, your first time earning money. Because you mentioned you haven't talked much about money growing up. There wasn't much talk around it, but you knew you wanted to be something. You knew that your parents encouraged you to be something. So you wanted to really access your capabilities. So let's talk about those kind of first stages of adulthood and what that was like. Yeah. So let's uh, let me be very honest it wasn't brought up at home but let's be real when you get to high school and that's when i feel like when you start middle school everybody's like who cares like nobody knows what money is you know high school it's when the kids start flexing it's like oh man this dude got the new shoes oh man and then they like whisper james those shoes are 500 bucks i said 500 bucks i was like damn he's a baller so by high school money became a motivator. Money became something that was in my face. Now, wealth was prevalent because I went into one of these schools where it was, quote unquote, a specialized high school in Manhattan, in the Bronx. It's called Bronx Science. So there's a mix of people from like kids that grew up in Jamaica, kids that came from the projects. And then there's like Upper East Side, Upper West Side. Like it's just like it's just a mishmash of cultures, like different wealth, like, you know, stuff like that. That's, I think, my first understanding of money like one kid i swear to god had donald trump money like the kid came in helicopters i was like that's insane dude i was like i thought my dad's minivan was cool i was like she i was like you know so my first real taste of money was high school my first real job where i earned my own money i worked at white castle do you know what that is painting i've seen harold and kumar yeah Yeah. (laughs) dude uh, white castle was the craziest job like i ever worked and i honestly owe 95 percent of my success to that job because at White Castle, unlike McDonald's, and I don't mean to poop on the other fast food employees, I get it. We all work in the food industry. It's all stressful. But at McDonald's, the way it works is everybody has a station. If you ever notice, you go to McDonald's, there's yeah. like nine people behind. You're like, why is there 24 people behind the counter? Because everybody has their own station. This dude puts the ketchup. This dude puts the burger. At White Castle, we were, <laughs> I think we were understaffed. I don't know what we were. But, <laughs> but, but everybody was everything. And that taught me how to hustle. I'll be honest. I feel like I'm inherently lazy. My mom always says, James, you're so lazy. You're so lazy all the time. Yeah. Even though I'm extraordinary, I'm extraordinarily lazy. So, so I feel like White Castle taught me that, you know, 
there is you have to do everything at once you're everything you can't be like ah somebody will get that order you know like oh don't worry about it. i don't have to pick up that order. or somebody will cook those burgers it's like no you're that person who has to cook those burgers and bust your ass so i learned the value of the dollar when i was making minimum wage busting my ass for eight to nine hours a day at a fast food place and let me just say it white castle does not have the easiest clients i'll tell you that much man you know you you get all the crazies at white castle and they yeah. know it too if they're listening <laughs> uh, yeah i gotta you know i've never tried a white castle burger I oh dude they have sliders that... yeah, yeah yeah here's how it happens when you eat a burger for the first time from white castle the first time you eat it i'm like 70 percent sure you won't like it but you'll think about it you'll be like damn you know that burger was actually okay <laughs> <laughs> And then you'll crave it. And I actually believe that, I don't know, White Castle is addicting. They got like caffeine in it or something because after you eat like a bunch, you're like, oh, okay, all right, this is pretty good. Let me get, let me get it again. But yeah, so that's where I learned the value of the dollar was working at White Castle and being everything at once, you know? So we'll talk about those skills you learned being everything at once because I'm sure in the role you are in now, that's came in super helpful. Yeah. Let's yeah. kind of yeah. talk about your first experiences with me. So what was your first like, you had a first film earning a dollar, first major purchase. Let's talk about that. Oh, first major. Oh, I know my first major. Okay. yeah. So how it felt to earn a dollar was it felt bittersweet. The reason why I felt bittersweet is because my dad used to give me allowance, right? Uh, in high school, because my high school is like all the way in a separate borough. He gave me $20 a week for food, for the MTA, stuff like that. So getting those $20 for free every what's week. The, what's the MTA? Uh, the subway system in New York City. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Oh, in Sacramento, you guys all drive. Uh, so yeah. Excuse me. Right, we, we got a light, bro, man. We got a light. <laughs> you got a light? Yeah, it's no, but... Above ground. It's above oh, ground. yeah, yeah. No, the, the cool thing about the city is everything is intertwined by the MTA. And as much as people love to, like, poop on it, it's, it's really a good system. You know, I mean, without it, uh, the city's too small. So anyway, so my dad gave me allowance to like get to school, to get food at school and stuff like that. And then the reason why I'm mentioning this is because earning a dollar felt bittersweet because it made me realize like, damn, my dad gave me 20 bucks for free. Now I'm busting my ass for $15. I was like, I was like, what is that? <laughs> so I was like, that's kind of messed up. And that's what I learned the value of the dollar. The first real purchase is I saved up after two months of working. I was able to buy my like my gaming rig because I'm a big gamer. I, okay. Nobody knows that, but I'm a big gamer. So I, 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 after three months, I bought my gaming rig. I wanted to become a streamer. This is when like the, this is when like everybody was like streaming on Twitch and stuff like that. I got my whole setup here, all my own. That was my first big purchase ever, and yeah, that's that's so, pretty much it. So how did that feel to really person that you save for? Because that you know the feeling of saving for something. I'm sure you didn't pay for it all with the first check. So mm -hmm. you had to save for it. So the feeling of saving something in person. Talking about that feeling. And how that's kind of driven you forward to get that feeling. So I'll be honest with you. I, I, it was f about four months worth of work to afford this entire thing. Yeah. And the way I look at saving then is different than the way I look at saving now. Okay. You know, because this purchase was kind of like a pleasure purchase. It doesn't make me any money. It's just a computer, you know, stuff like that. So saving up for it felt really, really good to like actually buy something of my own, you know? But I feel like now I practice delayed gratification when it comes to personal okay. purchases. So it's like, yes, I could afford this thing, but did I earn it? Did I really earn it? I feel yeah. like monetary earning is not the same as earning it as a person, you know? 
just because you can afford something doesn't mean you should buy it. Uh, and that, that's really wise, I mean, especially for how young you are to, to know that because you can afford something. A lot of times, you know, I have the money to buy it. Yeah. Does it make sense to buy it? I yeah. can pay for it. Can I afford it? That's a good way because I, I can pay for it. I can physically pay for it. But yeah, yeah. But can, can I, I afford yeah. it at this moment of my life? Can I afford to, to use my money here rather than somewhere else? And it's such a, I mean, Peyton, you know it too, because you're a business owner, but it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, I always feel guilty when I make a big purchase for myself. Cause I'm like, ah, that could have gone to my business. You know, I'm just like, exactly. I, it's still one of those things where it eats you up on the inside. But I, I really believe in rewarding yourself for things worth rewarding yourself for. But yeah, I, I'm a big believer in that it's, it's one of those, oh, side note, don't mean to get uh, off topic, but recently I had to lease a car for my business because the tax write-off, stuff like that. And while I was shopping for cars, I realized that cars make themselves affordable. You know what I'm saying? It's like they chunk themselves down to bite-sized monthly payments where it makes anybody feel like they can afford it, when in reality, it's taking a chunk of your future away every yeah. single time. And I found it so interesting because as a kid, I was looking at like, it's all relative, but I was looking at, like, my friends get Audis, BMWs, yada, yada, like, all this stuff. And then I realized, if you buy a 2015 BMW, the payments are $150 a month, you know? Like, yeah. is, that, is that really, like, is that really so unaffordable, $150 a month, depending on your situation? But it put it in perspective that I feel like some things, they make it seem a lot more affordable than it really is. So it doesn't, you don't feel the brunt of the impact up front, you know? Exactly. That's exactly the way it works. Used cars in particular, like, <laughs> yeah. it, 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 I'm not going to go there, but it, it it's just... The, the, the I guess I don't want to put them all in one top, but like the thing is, you're preying on this, on this lower middle class community, and saying, "Hey, you can afford this," and they're thinking, "This is a nice car." Yeah. And they tell you all things that having this car is gonna do for you. Like it's gonna if you get this car, you get a new job. You get this yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, oh, the the car is a networking thing, really. Hey. That's that's why you get a Mercedes. And you're justified in your own head, like yeah, you know that makes sense. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. That's my point. Yeah. Like, it's the perception of wealth that, that, that they buy into and they buy stuff like that, you know, like, eh. anyway, but yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of what I was saying. So that's why I kind of like practice this delayed gratification thing, because although you can't afford it, does that mean it's the best thing for you at this moment? You know, yeah, that's that's well said, man. We might title your episode that, but let's, <laughs> um, so here's one thing I, I got to ask, cause you said you're a gamer. Like, I, I'm that generation pre-gamer. Like, so What's that, up, pre-gamer? Pre yeah, pre, I, I'm not in, well, I guess there's gamers my age, but it's not something I've really done. And, been, and, and I always assume, like, man, you don't got time to be a gamer. But you, <laughs> you've been successful and you are a gamer, so how do you how do you balance that, man? How do you balance the, the need to grind, but also the need to game? The need to grind in the game. Well, I'll be honest with you. Uh, growing up, you <laughs> the more responsibility you take on with work and stuff, the worse you become at video games. So, <laughs> like, dude, when I was eighteen or nineteen, I could have smoked anybody in any game. I I would have put money on it. Like, <laughs> like, like five dollars, I could smoke you guys. Like, a hundred percent. Now I literally, I, I got like an hour to myself. Uh, yesterday, I played video games. Dude, I got smoked for an hour and a half. Like, it was not fun. <laughs> like, I'm telling gaming has not been as fun as it was when I had all the time in the world. And I think it comes down to this quote-unquote perception of work-life balance. When you're a business owner, that 
doesn't exist. As much as you want to time block, okay, this will be for my work, this will be for my family, this will be for my games, it doesn't happen. I I won't ever admit this to clients, but sometimes I'm in the middle of a game and I get a phone call and I'm like, oh, this is, I pick up the phone, I turn the game off and I step over there. You know, like yeah. work-life balance is a tricky thing where it's nice to have, it's a gr- beautiful idea, but when you're in this grind mentality, when you're in this growth mentality, it, it doesn't work, you yeah. know? And the thing is, even if it does work, we're scared to try it. Yeah, is, yeah. It's like, we feel like we can't, like, because, especially in our business, it's relationship-driven. 100%. We are the business. So the, our clients are expecting to be able to contact us when they can. There's times where I've changed my voice, but, like, when I'm on vacation, I really will be on vacation. Yeah, it depends. But if, yep. but if I'm golfing, I'll, be, I'll feel guilty for not answering the phone. So, yeah. and, and, you know, you make me feel good because I suck at golf. <laughs> it sounds like you suck at video games now. Now, yeah, man. So and, good. And, 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 that, and now I know why. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, even like, even like sports too. Like I used to play basketball as a kid. Every Filipino kid had the dream of becoming an NBA player until yeah. we realized we're five foot six and we're not going anywhere. So, <laughs> dude, I used to play ball all the time. I, my brother still plays basketball at a high level. So I went to like an open gym with him. Yeah. Dude, I felt I, I work out every day. I try. I felt so like I couldn't move, man. Yeah. After two, after two, and I'm 22, so I have no excuse to be like like creaky bones, you know. But like, yeah, I I, I realized that, and I think it comes down to passion. I wouldn't I wouldn't feel guilty not picking up the phone if I didn't love what I do. Yeah, that, you know? that's true. They, especially what you do when you're doing something that's really changed someone's life. When you're really helping, you really. Oh good. yeah. It feels really good. It does feel good. Like, it just feels good, I'd say. But little, you were at White Castle. You learned on a dollar. Um, you're working your way through high school. You're doing your own thing. You bought your gaming system. What <laughs> came next to you? What came next? Did you go to college after high school? Jump right into so, real estate? What came next? White Castle was, my first ever job was freshman year of college. That was White Castle. So freshman to sophomore year, I was working White Castle. Then I realized in sophomore year, because I go to a business college, that all these kids are in suits walking around. And I said, what are you, what are you, why are you guys in suits all the time? I said, oh, we're getting internships. We're focusing on our future, stuff like that. And I was like, uh-oh. I was like, I'm at White Castle. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I said, I said, uh-oh. So um, I, fe- I felt like I was late, you know? Yeah. And I remember, I'm not going to say names, but there's this one person who, because I, I asked my friend, he was really big into networking and yada yada in these clubs. He said, you have to meet this guy. You have to meet this guy. This guy will change your life. He'll tell you everything, like how you get started, how to get internships. I said, okay, I'll meet him. So I met him. I was walking around the school for about, we walked around the block and this kid was like in a suit, Hermes belt. Like, you know, I was like, okay, all right, Mr. Corporate. So I was talking to him and I said, so how do I get started? And he was like, James, you're already too late. And I was All like, right. I was like, what? He's like, no, no, you're already too late. By the time I was your age, I already had three, four internships. He's like, there's no way for you to get started. You just have to keep catching up. And that like my heart like broke. Like I, I got crushed. Yeah. I was like, I was like, damn, what like what kind of this is supposed to be the guy who's like, <laughs> like, like you oh, this is the guy I should talk to to get started. And he told me he'll never be, I'll never be good enough. It's almost he gave me this vibe like I'll never be him. And I'm very petty. <laughs> so, so i'm very petty i i'm very competitive i took what he said and i wanted to smoke him in everything yeah. you know i'm very competitive so then i realized all right first step got to get out of white castle so yeah. i went from white castle i went to work at keller williams are you familiar with that real estate yeah, office yeah we got keller williams here. yeah 
So <laughs> the front desk of Keller Williams is called the DFI. And it's and it's 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 a receptionist, but it's broken down to be called the director of first impressions. Oh, nice! Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a fancy title. I should I should have hit him up. I'm like, guess what? I'm a director now, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're never too late to be a director. So yeah. anyway, so action. I, <laughs> so I, and in between that, I actually didn't get a job at Best Buy. I tried. I wanted to sell TVs. I, 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 then they didn't hire me. So then I went to Keller Williams. I became the front desk. And I started working the front desk in sophomore year. And this is when I realized that laziness pays off. And the reason I say this is because I was getting paid the same as White Castle, but I was doing a completely different job. You know, we, we, we might we might have to make that the, the, the uh, title of the episode. What? I've had to hear how laziness pays off yet, but that's fancy. Yeah, yeah, laziness does pay off because that's if you think, catchy, I should say. I mean, uh, well, to, without getting that sidetracked, think about Amazon. Why is it the most one of the expensive companies in the world? Is because it preys on people's laziness. Hey, that's true. You know? they don't so, want to go nowhere. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I really believe laziness is a, like a, a huge untapped market because we, as people, we are inherently lazy unless we're passionate about something. Yeah. So anyway. So I was working at the front desk and I realized, man, I'm getting paid $15 an hour to sit here and answer phone calls and play in my Nintendo Switch. Uh-huh. I was like, I was like, dude, what? For $15 an hour at White Castle, I was busting my ass. I was taking orders. I was throwing garbage out. I was doing boxes. I was packing meat. I was like, why am I getting paid the same amount here when I'm doing significantly less work than there? <laughs> you know, and that, that kind of made me think. That doesn't come to play until later on. So as I was working at the front desk, people always told me, James, you know, you'd you'd be a good agent. And I'd just be like, oh, yeah, thanks. And then collect my $15 and put it in my pocket. (laughs) So I never really had weight to their uh, their words. And then they gave me more responsibility, and I started giving out commission checks. Oh, oh, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I was thinking, you know, I was happy because there's this thing in sports or in anything in real life is that people have a perceived ceiling, you know, and it's like, I think there's this one analogy people always use about the four minute mile, like nobody thought they would be able to do a four minute mile. And then someone did it. Now, all of a sudden, my grandma's running four minute miles. It's like, you know, like, what the heck is that? So there was a perceived ceiling of success. And I was raking in 15 bucks an hour, the minimum wage in New York. And I was like doing nothing. I was like, oh, look at me. And then I look, I started giving out commission checks. And then I gave out a $50,000 one. And then I gave a $120,000 one. And then I gave a $20,000 one. And I was like, man, these guys did three showings and made 120 grand. <laughs> I was like, what the, I was like, what the heck is that? And I then that day when I started giving out checks because of this perceived laziness that I have, I'm like, man, being an agent, how hard could it be? Yeah, so I, I just you know, how hard can they? They all seem happy when they walk in and they get their check. So I kept giving checks. I kept giving checks, and I kept telling myself, James, you'll get licensed when you graduate. You'll get licensed when you have time. And then I just kept pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off. And then boom, COVID, and everything shut down. Like all, all the classes were online. There was a, like a one and a half month hiatus where no classes were, were even being done, where people were just figuring out what's going on with the world. And then I was sitting at the desk on my last day before they closed the office down. And I was thinking, man, I was like, 
God, God, you know, if there was if there was a sign from God, this is one to get my license. Because <laughs> I just, dude, I just kept pushing it off. I was like, you know what? When I have time, when I have time, God was like, all right, you want time? I'll give you time. He's like, he shut down the whole world for two months, and I was like. That day, when they closed the office, I signed up for the real estate university class online. And then I got licensed online. Um, I, I put my two weeks in, and then I started working. I started doing the real estate classes, doing my school classes all at the same time in my underwear because everything was virtual. Yeah. You know? So uh, while I was still in classes, I decided to explore... New York, real, uh, New York City real estate, like Manhattan real estate, because my mom was obsessed with this HGTV. First of all, my mom loves that channel. It's a good show. It's a good channel. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I can appreciate it now. But when I was twelve years old, I was like, oh god, another stupid house. And then, and then she really liked this show called Million Dollar Listing New York. And it was okay. like, you know, there was a lot of heavy hitters there. Ryan Serhan, who I like, a big role model of mine. Frederick Eklund, all these people were huge. So. I decided to jump into Manhattan real estate and I found a company that was willing to take me on while being unlicensed, which is kind of crazy. And but we're still a student at this, all, all at the same time. Yeah, I graduated last year. Oh, well, congratulations, man. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and I did nothing with my finance degree, but yes, I graduated <laughs> last year. Okay. So um, what you call it? So then I joined this company during the summer, two summers ago, where they... During COVID, all the build, all, every everything in Manhattan shut down. Everybody left Manhattan, so there was record high vacancies. We were looking about at, seven out of every ten apartments was vacant. It was wow. the worst, the wow. worst thing that ever happened to the city and for rentals. And that's when I decided to be an agent. So, yeah. so, uh, so I jumped into the field, and I joined this company. It was a very small company, and they said, "All right, James, I'll give you a list of." 50 apartments that are available today see as many as you want take pictures of them and come back to the office so so let me pause you there because you know in california we think about real estate agents it's all it's all selling it's all selling it selling you're finding buyers you're finding sellers yeah that's it's like own residential property so what does a rental agent do are you looking for tenants or what's yeah yeah so the way a rental Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, so the way a rental agent works is, you know how a typical agent works in a sale? Imagine that same position in a rental. So we're we're finding tenants' homes mm-hmm. or we're finding homes for the tenants. So we okay. there's still a listing agent. There's still a, a they still call it a buyer agent even though it's like you're representing the renter. Yes. So that's a huge market in Manhattan because in Manhattan, 65% of the population rents. And and you guys negotiate the rent between yeah, we negotiate the rents, we negotiate the terms. There's still like uh, what you call it. There's still tra- like negotiation and transactions that happen, you know, yeah. like that. Just think about it in a. It's it's buying and selling in a much smaller scale. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure the numbers you got, the uh, transactions are a lot higher. Yeah, yeah. So that's why we did 360 transactions last year, and we're on track for 400 this year. So. And it's not about it's not about the individual deal as opposed because you know when you do residential I also sell too but my the bulk of my business is rentals, um, it's mostly like big numbers like oh let's sell a one point two million dollar home, for rentals it's the velocity of number it's how many rentals can you turn out okay so for example our uh, our our total uh, like our total gross of everything we did last year was eighteen million dollars worth of rentals. Ooh. 
which is crazy because it's mm-hmm. you divide it by because uh, we do the the way they do they value rental transactions is let's say the monthly rent is three thousand dollars they times that by twelve because that's the entire transaction and that's yeah. that's the you know that's the dollar amount so you can imagine seventeen million dollars worth of three thousand times twelve is yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot it's a lot of stuff so yeah that's how rental agents work in Manhattan it's a very lucrative business because everybody jumps into sales everybody wants to do sales but there's a lack of good rental agents in the market you know yeah especially sounds like a place there that they need it like manhattan you need rental agents yeah and the average rent in manhattan right now is five thousand dollars a month man that's uh, that's a rental I, I sometimes i show client the biggest deal i ever did was a ten thousand dollar two bedroom and i was thinking like Dude, this is a mortgage. Yeah, <laughs> like even four three thousand dollars is a mortgage. Yeah, like, you know, like that's crazy. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy. It's an untapped market, and I think it's the easiest way to get into real estate when you're young. Is rentals first before sales. Okay. Anyway, so go ahead. Yeah, so so they gave me a list of fifty apartments that I should see every I should try to see every day. I take pictures of it and I post it online. Okay. To try and, to- and where are we posting it? Is like Facebook marketplace, yeah, Craigslist, Facebook marketplace. Craigslist, man, Craigslist is still a hitter, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. I got some of my biggest accounts through Craigslist. It's crazy. Because anyway, so yeah, so I posted it everywhere. And the thing about me is, for three months, seven days a week, I went out and I toured thirty properties every single day in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. I learned the city from the ground up because I'm not no, I'm not local to Manhattan. I don't know the streets like people who grew up in in Manhattan, you know. I don't know that stuff. So, I dedicate I, I was so passionate the 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 type of things I listened to back then was cra- it, there's this thing on Spotify where it's like one hour motivational workout mix and it's just yeah. like a dude screaming in my in my ear. It's like, "Oh, <laughs> you'll you'll never be good enough." It's like, you know, it's like, <laughs> dude, I used to listen to some intense stuff. My mindset for those 3 months were crazy. It was the most focused, most determined I've ever been because everybody around me was thinking real estate, uh, you know, I don't know about that. I was so determined to prove everybody wrong that for 3 months straight, 7 days a week, 8 8 to like 8 to 10 hours, I was out just touring apartments, taking pictures, posting it on Facebook, posting it on Craigslist, posting it on RentHop. And I made no money. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, so what were you doing to survive during that time where you're building your business? Uh, during COVID, people were able to claim unemployment. Oh, that's right. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, the unemployment, the stimulus came in. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I was literally, and I was living off of unemployment for, for that entire time. Like, And I was budgeting everything because I, I knew I'm not making money. And keep in mind, I'm still in school at the same time. So I'm literally, while I'm taking pictures of apartments, I had my AirPods on and I was listening to insurance. It's like, how exciting. So so like, yeah, I'd be on Zoom classes because everything's online. So they don't know what you're doing. You know, they don't know that you're not physically standing. And I was taking pictures of apartments. I was, you know, I probably did 25 showings in those three months and I didn't close a single deal. I was... so what, what, like, that's, that's tough. That's tough. <laughs> yeah, that was tough. You want building a business, like, you're putting in the, you're putting in work. And, yeah. like, you, you want that gratification for the work you're putting in. But you still, you show, you're doing that 30 hours, 30 apartments a day, looking at all the different listings. You're putting all that work in. You're showing 25, and you don't get one bite. And so no. how'd that feel, and what, what made you keep going for the next sale, for the next showing? Tell you, man, it was a Spotify playlist. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, so the motivation there, once again, was not the money, but it was 
the concept of becoming the agent I want to be. Yeah. When I, when I got a showing, I said, oh, I got a showing. You know, it was a small victory that didn't have oh. any results. I got them to an apartment. They liked an apartment. They considered the apartment. You know, it was like these little bite-sized goals that I was able to profit off of, like, internally. Like, to, to know that I'm taking a step in the right direction without making any money. And the, that, that, that's funny. You said another possible title episode, Bite-Sized Goals. <laughs> I'm churning out these titles for you, man. <laughs> when, when you award yourself with little small things like that and you, you recognize those accomplishments, it keeps you going. Like, dang, I just got to eat. I got a million dollar client. It didn't go through because of something that was out of my hands, out of my control. But dang, I got a million dollar. I got a million dollar client. Yeah, yeah. Down with me, like it makes you feel like, oh, wow. I guess I'm not that far from it. And to look at it from that perspective, rather than I just lost a million dollar client, that'll make you quit. So it's all yeah. about perspective. And it sounded like you were looking at these things through the light, right lens. Yeah. Oh, dude. And there were days I wanted to quit. Like, I mean, you know, everybody loves to sugarcoat it and say, oh, I had a crazy mindset for 700 years. Like, no, there are days, <laughs> dude, there are days when you want to quit. There are days when you want to give up. I still have those days. And, I'm, you know, it's not every single day you wake up loving what you do. I love what I do. I like, you know, but it's not like every single day I'm like, oh, boy, yeah. I, I, I love that all my deals are. Yeah, whoopee. Seven deals fell apart last night. Oh, boy. It's like, you know, I, do, I get excited for the little things still. And I think it's all about like it's a perspective of the little things. Maybe a little thing back then was getting a showing. A little thing for me now is closing a deal. You know, like, you know, like there's like it, it, your, your little things have to grow as you grow. Yeah, and exactly. you won't you won't grow if you're just excited for every showing but you don't close anything yeah. at a certain point you got to be like all right you know maybe let's aim higher you know yeah. so um i forgot where i was going with this what was i saying um we're talking about just your what can be going to the next sale you got um yeah yeah so uh for, and and you know there's days where you do want to quit but it's not necessarily the idea that keeps you going it's the people you surround yourself that keep you going Nice. You know, so I had uh, my girlfriend is so supportive of me for everything I do. I've been with her for, I think, I think don't get, cut that out of the podcast. <laughs> I know for four years already. Uh, my oh, parents. Four years. Wow. That's a long time for you. That's Dude, especially for 22 years old. Oh my, that's like a fifth of my life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bro. yeah, yeah. Uh, my parents were supportive. My mom was like, oh, you're, you're going to be on million dollar listing one. You know, my mom always on yeah. my corner. Like stuff like that. And then it's like, it's the people that keep you going because they see the work you put in and they don't want it to go to waste. You know? Yeah. So, and I, and still to this day, there's, I, I still have problems. Like, you know, uh, you know, it's hard. Um, oh, one last little sound bit before I continue with the story is there was one day where I really wanted to quit. I really wanted to give up. And then I was listening to the Bigger Pockets podcast. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but like, uh, there's this guy named David Turner, Brandon Green. And they said, they said, you should be happy with the problems you have because you earned these problems. That's you know? good. That's good. You know, because like uh, there was a time when my deals were falling apart. My landlords, I was like getting nervous about how could I help them out? Like, uh, uh, like imposter syndrome. Like, am I really yeah. like experienced enough? And then I listened to that podcast on the way home and they said, you should be proud of the problems you have because you worked for these problems. You know, the problems I have today were not the problems I had last year. We're not the problems I had two years ago. These are the problems that I work for. These are the high level problems that I busted my ass to get here for. And I think that is like the, the biggest change thing because like, you know, you got, you can't take for granted the high level problems you have. It's stressful, but you got to embrace it. 
Yeah, you know? you've earned them. You've earned them. Yeah, you've 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 earned these people's trust. Where you have to deal at problems at a high level. You're not doing grunt work anymore. You're not doing take picture, go home. You know, you're you're conceptualizing the whole thing. But so for four months, busting my ass, twenty five plus showings, no bites. I finally got my first deal after four and a half months. Okay, man. And, yeah, yeah, and I, I will tell you the dollar amount of that deal. So I four and a half months working seven days a week i got one deal in 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 morningside heights which is like above upper east upper west it's like in harlem and i got a one bedroom the price was eighteen hundred dollars i remember everything about this deal i remember it was right next to a train the freaking living room shook when a train passed by yeah and when the living room shook i looked at the client and i was like it's like uh i was like uh and then she was like she was like oh no no it's perfect and i was like oh thank god dude so i remember i got so the commission was eighteen hundred dollars half of that went to the brokerage 25 percent went of that to my team leader and i for four months of work i got 350 dollars crazy right crazy and this is the same kid who sat on his ass and played a switch for 15 dollars an hour you know yeah the laziness mindset 15 dollars an hour but for some reason i was more happy to make 360 dollars in four months than sit on my ass and make 300 dollars in two weeks you know yeah and the first thing i did with that check i remember i taught myself very i think this is the one thing that made me switch my mentality about money i took those 360 dollars and i spent all of it <laughs> on a dinner for my friends for my friends my closest friends because d- during this time we were on discord so everybody was listening to me do these real estate classes and they just kept me company throughout covid the first check i got i spent it on them it's on my instagram you can still see it yeah a- and the dinner bill for that night came up to 480 dollars <laughs> <laughs> dude so i was i was working for three months for negative 120 i remember that but i think that's the day where i realized money does not control me yeah I don't, I don't, it's a very, I don't know, it may be jaded, it may be selfish, it may be like a very ignorant perspective, but the way I threw money that day made me realize that, you know, like, it isn't the end goal, it's the experience. It's the experience, booyah, you hit it, man, it's the things you value, like I talk about all the time, money, purpose, plan, it's the things, it's not about the money, it's about what money can do for you, and and when your money's aligned with what you value, with with your values, you're happy and you valued those friends. And you know, yeah, you worked four months for 300 something bucks, but it got you what you valued. Time showing appreciation to the people you enjoy you enjoy being around. 100 yeah, percent cool, man. Yep. And then so now this is where the story like like moves forward. So a month after that deal, I did the same thing, working my ass off again. And then I got a call, uh, not a call, a, fi- a text on Facebook, and it was from my now partner, Judah Freed, he said, hey, I see you post 30 apartments every single day. Because in, in Facebook, there's only certain, you know, how many groups there are for real estate. There's only maybe like eight or nine for New York City real estate rentals. And imagine every single day, you see, you look up on Facebook and you see my face 30 times because those are all the apartments I'm posting. Yeah. Every single day, 30 times. It's like, all right, I can't, I, this kid's face is everywhere. So he texts me, he says, I see how hard you work. Would you like to help me out and some projects that I have and come to Compass? So I, I, I met with him at this place, uh, this tea place called Atias. And that place has become a joke because that place changed my life. <laughs> yeah. So I went to Atias. I talked to him. He, he liked my personality. He liked my hustle. And he 
got me he got me to work on some of his listings uh at that point he picked up a big account on the upper west side he picked up a big account on the upper east side but he's only one guy so he can't physically do all of that okay and so at that time we maybe had 60 exclusive buildings just from him i picked it up the first weekend of working with him i closed four deals <laughs> oh man so now imagine what's going through my head you know like imagine like i'm like holy sh- like is this how is this what it's supposed to feel like is this what yeah. it feels like so i closed those four deals and the rest is history ever since then we've worked together we've grown the portfolio together from 60 managed buildings to now we do over 150 managed buildings and it's just you two just us two every time the landlord has a vacancy hey james hey judah can you come rent this out i go over there i rent it out Man. so and it's all about and I, I always look back, I always reflect on my life, and I think about how lucky I was to get that text from Judah. And I was thinking about luck. Like, what is luck, you know? Because I think everything in business is a little bit of, of luck and a lot of work, you know? My dad has a Filipino accent. I, I hope he doesn't listen to this, but he has a Filipino accent. And he has these, like, stupid quotes that he says, like, every couple of days. Like, <laughs> so he says this one quote to my little brother because he plays basketball all the time. He goes, JP. When it's your time to shine, shine the brightest. I'm like, dude. and I was like, he. I heard that quote since middle school. I was like, damn, what a stupid quote. Like, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean? And then Judah called me. And when it was my time to shine, yeah, man. Hey. I shone the brightest. So, title episode, man. <laughs> dude, so yeah. So uh, that's what I realized. Like, what is luck? Um... I'm going to break off on a little tangent one more time. Dude, I love my tangents. Uh, so oh, there's this thing where they talk about like whale watching. And I'm stealing this story directly from, from somebody else. So it's not me. Don't quote me for any of this. Okay. So when somebody goes whale watching, you know, there's actually a whole process behind it, right? It's not just you get on a boat and you see a whale. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to wake up at five in the morning. You have to go out on the ocean. You have to bring your surfboard. You have to paddle all the way out. You have to, like, you know, see the whales, and you have to head to the direction they're heading. You don't go to where they are. You go to where they're heading, yeah. you know? So you finally, you paddle, 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 paddle. You get all the way to where they're heading, and finally you see it, that big whale. Boom. Out of the water. Like, it just smashes in the water. And you were up there since 5 o'clock in the morning. You busted your ass. You, you did all this math, all these calculations, and you saw one whale, you know? Yeah. And then there's the people on the beach. The people on the beach see you next to that whale. The whale pops up, goes down, and you're next to it. And they say, wow, that guy's lucky. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, they, they think you're lucky. They that's what I'm saying. They, yeah. They think that that's good. Man, that's a nice... You made that up? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Quote it. Quote it. That's mine now. <laughs> no, but yeah. So you, you heard think, it here first. You heard it. <laughs> million. <laughs> me and Peyton. We're, we're, we're patenting that story. Exactly. No, but yeah. And that's how business works, right? That's how that perspective works. Yeah. Somebody makes money like this. Damn, he's lucky. Somebody's a billionaire. Wow, he's lucky. Jeff Bezos, lucky. Elon, lucky. You and me, lucky. We're not lucky. They didn't see we're up at five in the morning paddling on that swimming on that surfboard. Yeah, yeah. We're not lucky. We and worked they, our asses off for one opportunity to come to us, and when it came, we took it. They, we shone the brightest. We, we shone. <laughs> when it's your time to shine, bro. Shine the brightest. Hey. No, but yeah, yeah, it's not luck. 
but I really believe business has to do with a quote unquote perceived luck. Yeah, no, that was great, man. That, that was just a great story. I got chills as you told me that because <laughs> it's just, and it just goes back. You, you got your, you, you shown the bridesmaid, when you got the call from Judah. Um, I know you're a religious man. It's probably no coincidence. His name's Judah. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, our, our, our savior is the line of Judah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I said, what can go wrong? An Asian and a Jew in real estate, right? Well, what's the worst that could happen? But man, hey, that's a blessing, man. So talk to me before we close out. What's this life been like for you now that you're crushing it? It's just you're, you're a team of two. You have, I'm sure you have office staff. Yeah, right? we have. We have. Uh, actually, we don't. We don't have an office staff. It's still, dude. It's me. It's me running applications. I need an assistant. That's the first thing. I get it. I've heard it a million times. I just need to find the time. Um, and now what I do is, and nobody believes me when I say this, and everybody's so surprised. I still live at home. Like, yeah, you're killing it, man. dude. I still live at home because I believe. Oh God, this is such a like a horrible thing to say as a rental agent, but I believe. The quickest way to save money in New York is to stay at home. If you can stay at home, if it's like an option that's given to you, stay. I get it that some people come from houses that they have to leave or some things don't work out. But if you can stay at home and save your money, no need to pay money to like someone else. Work for yourself. And that comes down to being humble, and because you see a lot of your friends move out and they're doing their thing, but you gotta realize you have. And it comes down to having a goal. You have a yeah. goal. So I'm gonna save this money. And be di- don't stay at home. If you're just wasting money, don't stay at home. But if you're yeah. saving money, you and your and that money's purpose for something else. Keep your eye on that prize and realize why you're staying home. 100. So a little bit about where I'm now and the mindset. So now I'm 22. I I currently own two properties by myself. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm going into multifamily. So I'm gonna I'm my goal is 25 units by the age of 25. It's a crazy goal, yeah. but I want to hit it. You know. And that's where all this money saved up from all my commissions. I don't buy nice. Uh, okay, I buy nice things, but I but I I try to save up as much as I can and I dump it into real estate every single time because I truly are passionate about the industry I chose and I believe in it. I, I really believe in the industry. I don't care if it's a recession. I'll buy. I don't yeah. I don't care if the mar- if the property goes down a hundred thousand dollars. I don't care. I'm twenty years old. It's not going to be that when I'm fifty. You know exactly. And I, that's why I want to inspire the people that are twenty two years old like me. To work your ass off, even if you don't see a goal, just work, if you don't see like the light at the end of the tunnel, work your ass off, it'll come. You know, it'll I've come, yeah. I've never known anybody who's worked their ass off for six months, like uh, like you know, like legitly, legitly worked their ass off for six months and nothing came out of it, right? So, so the, that's back to scripture. The scripture says, as long as the earth remains, there'll be seed time and harvest. That means if you're planting seeds, if you're if you're planting seeds and you're working the ground. You're going to have a harvest. It might yeah. not be next month, but the word of God has never been wrong. So uh, still, still hasn't been wrong yet. I'm still yeah, waiting. <laughs> if you're planting seeds, if you're not successful, you're not doing it. I can tell you, I can, I can confidently say that. If you're not successful, you're not doing it. 100%. And, 100%. And, and again, you might be doing what I'm doing, but you might be capable, capable of doing 20 times as much as me. So you might see, why. how come he presented the same thing I presented but he's been rewarded for you for but that's because God knows what's inside of us. God knows what he put in each one of us. So if if I've just have me like me and someone else have presented the same exact thing, but this guy's praised for it, but this guy put in three works to get the same thing that I presented, it took me two minutes. And it's like at the end of the day, I can't expect to be rewarded if I'm not putting the work in. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. If you put that work in, you will be rewarded though, man. 
It's just a matter of time. I really believe it's just a matter of time for everyone. I mean, take my example, take your example, take everybody, every guest example who's been successful. There's been days where we work and nothing comes from it. But yeah. you bust your ass. You keep showing up every single day. It'll happen. Like, you just got to believe. It, it comes down to faith. You just got to believe. You got to mm-hmm. believe that something's out there and something will happen for you. The moment you lose hope is the moment everything is lost. And, and that's... That's I really believe that every single day. That's why even though I wake up miserable sometimes, I still I still get up. <laughs> and remember, guys, like honestly, what your dad says, man. When you get that opportunity, <laughs> really, when you do, I, I'm serious. It's funny how you say, but it's, there's so much truth there, because you gotta be ready to shine the brightest, and you're not gonna shine the brightest if you haven't done the work prior. If you haven't done the work, if you hadn't been showing those houses, if you hadn't been putting in all that work, and when you met Judah, you wouldn't have been ready. So yeah. in order to shine the brightest, you have to put the work and you got to be ready to do it. Uh, there's so much truth to that because there's been times where I've had opportunities where I wasn't ready and I didn't get and it, it. I used to be a professional boxer. I, well, I, I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that. Whoa, whoa. Yes. I, <laughs> I used to, I was an amateur. I was excellent. I won nationals. I wow. did great. So but I didn't put the work in there because I had so much natural talent. But when the time came to shine as a professional, I wasn't ready. I, I, I wasn't ready. Like, normally, like, on a bad day, I could beat this guy. But I, on, a, on, a bad, on that particular bad day, I didn't. My whole career kind of fell apart because of that. And that's because I wasn't ready. I wasn't putting that work in prior to when the time came to shine. When now is the time I got to shine, I wasn't prepared. I yeah. wasn't being a good steward. But even though that time you didn't shine, you know, that you don't only get one time. Yeah. You know, there's other time. Like if you screw up this one time, that's fine. Failure is part of growth. You know, yeah. even for your life, you screwed up that one time. That's OK. There's other opportunities. Yeah, Just keep yeah, working. Exactly. And uh, it won't happen again because I'll be ready. <laughs> You're ready to shine the brightest. <laughs> but let's, yeah. uh, let's let's get to that question, man. The question is show, show all his enzymes, man. Twenty two. Owning, owning multiple properties, crushing it in real estate, living in Manhattan, still living at home, so saving a lot of money. Still living at home. For the, for the goal, let's talk about, uh, from the outside looking in, it looks like you have a financial successful lifestyle to anybody. But, you know, financial success means different things to different people. It probably means different to you than it does to Jeff Bezos or to even to me, to anybody. I'm sure it does. And it always changes throughout life. But right now, today, 2022, what do the words financial success mean to you? And I don't mean from a dollar amount. I mean, from a quality of life. What does it look yeah. like to you? So I always think about this question a lot. And there's always this one. I, a huge, uh, yeah, I'm a huge Kanye fan, right? I love Kanye West. For, I, I just think his whole story is inspiring. And he has this one line where he says, uh, he's, this is from his song, Hey Mama. And he's explaining the relationship with his mom. And then he sees his mom crying on the kitchen floor. He says, I said, Mama, I'm going to love you till you don't hurt no more. And when I'm older, you ain't got to work no more. And I'm going to get you that mansion that we couldn't afford. Yeah. Gave me chills and took me back. Dude, yeah, I love that. Like, cause, and, and then you listen to the different ways he says it. He, the original song, it's just a confident thing. When his mom actually dies, he performs that at the Grammys. And you can feel that pain in his heart. It's because he got that success that he wanted. Yeah. You know? And I, that's for me is financial freedom, financial success. It's not about you. It's about the people around you. You know, I want to be so successful that I can buy my mom a house. I can buy my dad a house. My yeah. brother needs something for education. I can pay for it. 
that's financial freedom to me. It's no more worries about money. It's and not you know, about yeah. Go go. It goes back to your your character, man. Like think about that feeling you got when you got that first commission check and you took your friends out to lunch. Like you, that that's what that's why you do it. It's not for you. It, well, it is for you. It's for that feeling that that treating others brings you, and yeah. that feeling of living gener- generously and giving. Like what uh, I don't remember who says it, but I ha- I got all this money so I can give it away. Like and and that and uh, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> it feels good, man, to, to bless others and you're in, but you're not giving away because that's what you enjoy. So that's awesome, man. And that, and that and it comes down to your values. You value quality time. I'm not sure you're a young man. You probably haven't looked at love languages yet, but I'm sure once you start researching love languages, I'm positive yours will be quality time. And, yeah. And my girlfriend says that all the time. Her hers is quality time. So I guess inherently mine is as well. Yeah. But yeah, no, I I I, I feel like I those three lines, whenever I think about like that situation where his mom's in the kitchen floor, Kanye's not successful yet. He tells his mom, like he he like he promises to his mom, I'm gonna work my ass so that this won't ever happen again. That's that's the image I play in my head when I'm working. I want to work so my family doesn't have to anymore. Hey, that's a blessing, man. You've been an awesome guest, man. Hayden, awesome. no, thank you for having me, dude. I had such a good time, honestly. Nah, this was a lot better than I expected. I swear, like, <laughs> I woke up this morning like, man, this kid, I don't know. They're like, damn, this guy's going to bomb it. He's going to talk about some nonsense. No, yeah, no, dude, thank you for, seriously, this is the first podcast or anything like this I've ever been on. You've been an amazing host. I had such a great time, and the whole conversation felt natural and organic from start to finish. And I'm gonna leave some. Uh, you can give your 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 contacts to social media. Shout it on here. I'll leave in the show notes for people who want to contact you. I know you want to build your brand. I want to help you do that. So <laughs> thanks, man. Go ahead and so, leave your taglines. So yeah. So on Instagram, James underscore Schmava because I thought yeah I thought SH was cool back then. I was like, damn, you know what? And I kept it. I don't care. I kept it. So uh, eh, my Instagram isn't really anything about real estate. I'll be honest. It's more about my personal life and stuff. And I like to keep it that way with like little tidbits about real estate on YouTube, James Maba, everything else, James Maba, but Instagram, James underscore Schmaba. Schmabin it, y'all. Okay. Hey man, you guys, thanks for tuning in. I'm sure you guys enjoyed the show. James, you've been an awesome guest. Listeners, have an awesome week. God bless. Peyton, thank you so much, guys. It's a pleasure. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's your host and investment advisor representative for the Homes Financial, Peyton Boyer. I hope you enjoyed the show. It's my job to understand my clients' financial goals and work alongside them to design a plan to reach those goals. If you're looking at editing your own money story, I'm here to help. Give me a call to schedule your free one-hour consultation either via Zoom or in person. My phone number is 916-271-1974 or click the link to send me an email below. Have an awesome week. Payne Boyer is a financial professional with Homes Financial of and Securities offered through Bertha Fisher & Company Financial Services, Inc. BFCFS member FINRA FIPC Homes Financial is independent of BFCFS.